Hello there and welcome to the Alstein Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games, and all that jazz that there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about the Hobbit trilogy. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John. How are you this week? I'm doing great. I cannot wait to talk about the Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings as well. Yes, Lord of the Rings next week. We're building up to the Rings of Power, which is very exciting. So yeah, The Hobbit. Just briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. <clears throat> Bilbo Baggins, Hobbit, is persuaded in accompanying a wizard and a group of dwarves on a journey to reclaim the city of Erebor and all of its witches from the dragon Smaug. Ooh, Bilbo Baggins, indeed. Bilbo I mean, Baggins! <laughs> wow, it's uh, it's been so long since I've seen this. It's been It must have been, like, about five years, and this was, like, so big for me when I was a kid. This is, like, my favourite thing. So uh, revisiting yeah. this has been just a, a lot of emotions. What, what did you think? It was very nostalgic for me because I haven't watched it for years and there was so many, as you said, like wave of emotions that just brought back from this film. And it's like a prequel, you know, like you just go to explore Middle Earth in its entirety. There's different areas such as Lake Town, which was, you know, it was new, it was surprising. It was like visiting Memlane and, you know, this is before Lord of the Rings and it was so interesting to explore that again. Spoilers ahead. So, you know, if you haven't seen the Hobbit trilogy and you want to, if you... go go and see it. There's, a, there's you definitely haven't. a. Why? Why haven't <laughs> you watched it? Well, there's, there's definitely a lot here that, I mean, had you read the book before you, you saw it? Or have you right. at least now? It was a long time ago when I read the book because I was reading it before the second one came out, I think. Yeah, before Desolation and Smell came out, I was reading right. the book and there was a lot. I don't know. I can't remember, but all I know, there was like a bunch of songs in there. It was just lyrics yes. of like There's the so many. Scene. Tolkien, he loves his songs. I reread The Hobbit before watching the films, and I'm currently working my way through Lord of the Rings. And Tolkien's songs are just all over the place. And I watched the extended editions, and there are four songs in An Unexpected Journey. And what? I was watching the normal one and then we got that, you know, that dinner scene. Oh, that was great. That dinner scene. They were just talking about like Bilbo Baggins, like not <laughs> messing around this place. That's so. what Bilbo Baggins hates. Absolutely. Bilbo really... Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be, so we're going to be talking about the trilogy as a whole instead of doing it, you know, one by one. But obviously we are going to be talking about all three of them. And I, I think the first thing we should talk about is obviously the big point of contention is that they turned one book into an entire trilogy. It's and crazy. obviously they they add so much in, they add things in the appendices, they add their own things, they flesh out a lot of it. What do you think about that decision? Do you think that's a good idea or do you think that like they kind of went too far? I was thinking about this today about like, you know, they turned one book into three films and you're like, how did they do that? And then, you know, like you got like a lot of detail. There's so much detail into this mm. trilogy and long time ago i didn't catch these details but then once you like we watched it like oh i didn't notice that before and yeah. the way that tolkien wrote in the hobbit it was like massive storytelling with like real building and you actually can find more detail in middle earth and the crazy part was that you know the battle of the five armies yes in the book they finished the battle of the five <laughs> armies in five pages yeah Famously, the, the final 30 or 20 pages of the book, 
makes the entire third movie. But I think you're right about Tolkien. He is a very world-building focused writer. All of his kind of Middle-earth stories are a lot more focused with the world and all the mechanics of it than doing characters. And I think that's very obvious in The Hobbit. The Hobbit, it's about Bilbo. The book is about Bilbo. The dwarves, there are way too many of them. And apart from Thorin in the book, the only other dwarf who really gets anything interesting is Bomber because he's fat, <laughs> which is definitely a joke that the yeah. film do love to exploit. But still, I think that this trilogy had quite the impossible task because yes. it, it's handling 15 main characters that you've got to introduce all in the same scene of this unexpected party at Bag End. And I think, like, first and foremost, there are too many dwarves. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. We can't all, like, there are too many to th- for them to characterize <laughs> and give anything to do. Like, I know all their names, but that's just because I'm a fan. Look- like, reg- oh, like wow. regular audiences aren't going to know all their names and, you know, you can't expect everyone just to be able to empathize with their whole plight outside of maybe Thorin. And I think that that immediately is a thing that this trilogy does suffer from so many characters. Yeah. And oh my, it was so hard to, like, keep track of, like, you know, with the dwarves, like, oh, my God, there was so, so many but the one thing that I really like was it was like a group as a whole, you know, like they're the ones who are trying to reclaim Erebor. Yeah. And I think that was the one that was like, you know, keeping this whole thing alive. You know, like it was the spirit of the spirit of, yeah. the, of the group that was really interesting. Especially in the first one, which I think I yes. would say the first one's probably my favorite. I would say, oh, yeah. especially in that one, it's so evident that these dwarves all have this camaraderie of each other and they all work well as a unit. And they do, to their credit, they all have, you know, differing personalities, even though they're very one-dimensional. I think the the only dwarves that get anything really to do are Thorin, Balin, and Keeley. That's about it, really. And that's three out of 13, you know? Like, there are basically 10 dwarves who don't do much at all. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. But what about these other dwarves? But one moment that I absolutely love was when everybody... They were in Bilbo Baggins' house and they were singing around the fireplace. And it was so well done, you know, like, with the singing. Yeah. You get to understand why are they so keen to reclaim Erebor. And that was, you know, the most interesting thing about exploring through these characters. You know, they're going on a journey to trying to reclaim Erebor, but this dragon is in the way. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the best thing about the, these movies is the score. Oh my God. Oh Howard my God, Shaw. Like, he just knocks every single thing out of the park. And I think it all begins with the Misty Mountains. And that song that they sing is so powerful. And it really gives you a sense of how important this quest is and how much that they've longed, more than any of the exposition that's given to you at the beginning of the film. That is all so well done. And yeah. that, that song becomes the dwarves' main theme for the movie. It was John Howard, right? Who did it? Who did the score? Howard Shaw. Howard Shaw. I didn't hear who John Howard is. I just... How... I know Howard was in the name. Do you mean okay, John the... Hammonds from Jurassic Park? <gasps> Jurassic Park. No, well, Howard Shaw, you know, he's he yeah. was a god making it this the whole mm. score for this whole film. And there were some powerful moments that, you know, 
that really reflected scenes, you know, with the mise-en-scene, with the characters as well. Like, there were some moments that worked so well with the score. Um, one thing that reminded me about the score and with the characters was when there was a moment between Thorin and Bilbo mm-hmm. at the end of the first one. And Thorin said, you know, oh, you don't belong here. You're not with us or anything. And then he said, I've never been wrong in my life. Yes. And then like, that squad swells up and it, it was like a bonding moment between Bilbo and Thorin. So, yeah. Yeah. Howard Shaw, obviously, he's coming off his work in Lord of the Rings and you have all of these themes that he's already building off. You've already got the Shire theme. You've already got, you know, the, the Rings theme. Oh, You've the got various Shire. things that he brings and he builds on them with the Dwarves theme and with various new things. One of the ones that I particularly love is the Feast of Starlight theme for the elf dwarf love story. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think that's a really powerful theme. Mm. But the ending of the first film is probably, for me, the best part of the trilogy. The emotions are so high and it's so, so incredibly powerful the way that they all come and they're like, oh, where's Bilbo? And Thorin's like, I'll tell you where he is. He left. And Bilbo comes and he's like, you know what? You're right. I miss my house. I miss my home. I miss my books. I miss my garden and my armchair. But you don't have a home and I'm going to stay and I'm going to help you reclaim it if I can. And it's just this powerful moment. Bilbo, who has always doubted himself and the dwarves who have always doubted him, finally comes in his own. And I think it's fair to say that these films are at their absolute best when it focuses on The Hobbit himself. Martin Freeman is perfectly cast. He's so good as Bilbo Baggins. Oh, yeah. And there's so many moments that I just can start laughing when Martin Freeman was just so confused the entire time. Yes. Like there's so many scenes where or there's one scene where he was trying to set free the ponies against the trolls. Yeah, he was trying yes. to get the sword from the trolls and he just looks so scared the entire time. <laughs> that was so believable. He was trying to get through and get this sword to cut free the ponies. And it was so so funny. And the one thing that was really interesting was I don't know which dwarf it was in the group that their son is Gimli. I did yes, not know. Gloin, there's a couple of like references when Legolas gets out his oh Legolas. Like, he's got he like a couple so, of okay, we'll get into Legolas in a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well Gloin has like a picture and Legolas is like who is this, a, a goblin? And he's like, that's my, that's my wee lad Gimli. And a little detail in the Battle of the Five Armies, when all the dwarves get all this armor, Gloin has Gimli's helmet from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> These are things that I've watched this trilogy so many times. Like, I know so much about it. Like, there are just so many. But this was the first time that I'd watched the extended cuts. And there's so much in the extended cuts that you just don't get. And it just baffles me that they cut some of this stuff. You get a lot more of the dwarves in Battle of the Five Armies specifically. But I do think that, honestly, I liked Unexpected Journey. But after that, honestly, Desolation of Smaug and Battle of the Five Armies didn't do that much for me. As I said, I think these films are at their best when they're focusing on The Hobbit himself. And there's so much going on in those other two films. (laughs) You've got this subplot about Legolas and Tauriel. You've got all the orc stuff. You've got the Sauron setup. You've got the Lake Town subplot. You've got the dwarves. You've got the Hobbit himself. Like, there's so much going on for this one fairly simplistic story. And it just, to me, it felt so cluttered and messy and hey i enjoyed myself i had fun with it like i would say it's an enjoyable mess but it's still very messy yeah unexpected journey had that emotion 
I do agree that the the narrative just decided to drop down in Desolation and Battlefront Armies. Like there was a lot that was going on, and there was so many set pieces that were crazy. One thing that I really liked from the other two movies was Legolas. He was okay. so cool. He was so yeah. cool that I thought. I, I like know. how we'll talk about it a bit more like next week. But I like how in Two Towers, Legolas surfs down some stairs on a shield, and then in Return of the King. He slides down a Moomakill. It slides down a Moomakill's trunk. And then in Desolation of Smaug, he's like hopping over dwarves in barrels in the lake. And then in Battle of the Five Armies, he runs up falling <laughs> debris. What? Excuse me? Why? It's literally so over the top. And that's why I love it. It was so over the top. I thought, yeah, that's so cool, but so over the top. It just reminded me of Fast and Furious, but it's Legolas. Yeah. That's the one thing I just liked. I was like, oh, there's Legolas. He, he can do some arrows. He's like the John Wick version of with a bow and arrow. That's my take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um... like, I, I feel like you know, a lot of like, there's some really weird parts in this trilogy where oh, it will yeah. it will tie in elements from Lord of the Rings, and I think you know, Legolas is is a good example of that. And there's this whole subplot, and this is this is canon. Tolkien wrote this. It's not in the book, but it's in his appendices. But this whole thing where Gandalf leaves the group and he goes to the fortress of Dol Guldur and he goes and he, he's investigating this necromancer. And based on this, we get appearances from Saruman, Galadriel, Elrond, uh, yes. Sauron himself. All of the Nazgul are there as ghosts. And it's like, guys, this is a story about a hobbit going to kill a dragon. <laughs> essentially that's it you, you know this is one linear story and kind of you know famously this trilogy was going to be two films they said we're going to make two films and then they split the second film into two and i think you can totally feel that like yeah you could put together desolation of smaug and battle of the five armies that could be one film that could be a really tight one film but instead it's two films that go on way too long and have way too much going on yeah, and I just couldn't tell what was happening in Battlefire Armies, to be honest. I was like, oh, there's yeah. there's some orcs, oh, there's dwarves, there's a pig, there's a pig, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dwarf that's there's fighting a, the pig, oh my god. There's oh my a god. moose, come on, don't forget the moose. Oh, the moose. Oh yeah, Honestly. and then <laughs> the goats. Wait, the, goats. The, one thing that just, the one thing that made me really laugh was like, if you just look goats in real life, and then the dwarves. Yes. You, <laughs> and then you, you know can what? see that in real life, you know, with men and the elves. You can see, like, the dwarves. And the dwarves are just riding them like they're horses. I mean, in in the extended cut, I am happy to report, there is an extended goat sequence. Yeah. There's, like, a whole thing where they're riding, like, a carriage pulled by goats. This is Thorin, Balin, Dwalin, Fidi, Keeley, and they're all riding this carriage of goats, which has a machine gun on it, a machine gun uh, that shoots arrows. I'm not what? kidding. And they're on an icy lake fighting trolls. One of the trolls is ridden by another one of the dwarves, Bofa. And it's the most stupid thing. And at the end, they all get off. And Dwalin says to Balin, he says, he's like, are you coming with us? And then Balin just goes, no, my goat riding days are over. And it's like, where did this come from? What's even happening? This is ridiculous. No wonder they cut it. It's it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. What the what? I know. I, I, I kind of glad I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, let's move on from that. <laughs> okay, so going back to the whole thing, you know, there's this whole subplot about like finding out what this necromancer is, and it was like so out of place. It was just so jarring, you know. This is supposed to be about a Hobbit, as you said, that、mm. is fighting a dragon, Smaug. I wish we could have explored more about Smaug, to be honest. And that would be so interesting in Battle of Five Armies, you know, like that conflict between the dwarves and Smaug as well. And it would be so interesting to see who's trying to reclaim Erebor. But then we got the orcs, we got the elves, we got the men, we got the goats, and that, that's that's everything, <laughs> to be honest. In Battle of Five Armies, there's a whole thing in in this where they give every single army has its own motivation. You've got the orcs are servants of Sauron. Apparently, Sauron's told them to get the mountain so they have a, a strategic advantage. The elves want these jewels. The men of Lake Town want they want the gold that they've been promised, and the dwarves obviously want. But in the book. It's just a strategic like advantage, right? They flesh it out, and and it's good that they flesh it out because otherwise it would feel a bit empty, you know, for something so cinematic. But they, oh my god, the Battle of the Five Armies goes on for about two hours. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it just doesn't end. Like, and, and not not enough happens after the first half an hour or so to justify such a long battle. Oh, Gandalf! Gandalf! There's more orcs. Now, how could this be? They're going from the north, and then there's this whole half an hour sequence where Thorin fights Azog, and then that werewolf guy—he he just came back. Yes, Beorn the Bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so, yeah. I know all the names. I'm just honestly, I just spent my childhood. These films like really do have a special place in my heart. You know, even though I don't love them as much as I used to, they have such a special place because I just spent my days watching videos, reading books, all this stuff, and I know all of it, John. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Every single,、um, all the dwarves. I'm not gonna ask you the name of the dwarves. <laughs> What did you watch it on? Blu-ray. Yeah, I or... watched it on Blu-ray. I watched it on Blu-ray. Okay, so I was watching it on DVD because that's the only collection I had. Was the CGI fine for you? No. <laughs> No, it was not. <laughs> I thought it was me because、no. the DVD was like, "Oh my god, why is this great? Oh my god, oh yeah, there's one bit that was really jarring. You know, sometimes the cinematography was so weird in the films. Yes, you know what I mean. Like there was so、yes. many weird things in this whole trilogy, apart from the、mm. unexpected journey. There were some really good shots,、mm. but in Desolation Smaug, when the dwarves are trying to escape from the elves, they're in the barrels, they're on the、mm. river, they're trying、yeah. to escape. There's a GoPro. There's a GoPro. Oh my god! I I know the GoPro. It was so distracting. Ah ah! <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed. There was a GoPro. Why it was, was so distracting.、GoPro? I mean, okay. So, Desolation of Smaug is 2013. That is that is prime GoPro. Somebody definitely that, got a GoPro for GoPro Christmas、era. and was like, "Hey guys, I've got a GoPro."、Era. I could tell this was a waterproof GoPro because it was on like this <laughs>、yeah. barrel and it was like going through the river. It was、oh, so、man. weird. I was like. Wait a minute. Why am I? Why does it feel like you're watching some old memories on this cult GoPro or something? <laughs> like, like、uh, you know, John, do you remember that time we went on holiday and we and we 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 sailed down the Anduin in barrels and we were getting attacked by orcs? Oh man, I saved that on GoPro. You know what I mean? Like, got that? Oh my god! Memories、orcs. last forever. Oh my god. 
No, but like, I don't know why. It's interesting that you mentioned the CGI because originally these films were going to be directed by Guillermo del Toro, obviously director of the first what? Hellboy movies. Yeah. yeah. What? Um, what? Pan's Labyrinth, what? Shape of Water, loads of stuff, right? And he still has a screenplay credit on all three films. But what? yeah, I know. Like, it's tragic. I think I, I would have loved... I would have loved to see his version. I think it would have been incredible. Credited. Yeah, yeah. So he was originally going to direct the whole thing back when it was two movies. But then the studio wanted to do different things. So they brought back Peter Jackson because obviously he directed Lord of the Rings. And so brilliant, great, all going to go well. So that meant that Peter Jackson basically had to start again. Didn't use a lot of what Guillermo del Toro had made. And that means that they didn't have nearly as much time to prepare in Lord of the Rings, they had so much time and so much of it was practical. Again, we'll talk about it next week. I'm so excited. But so much of Lord of the Rings is practical and beautiful. And in this trilogy, my God, there is so much CGI and it just is. looks horrific. Like, okay, in fairness, it doesn't look terrible. Like, there are some really good uses. Like, Gollum looks amazing. Oh, oh Smaug yeah, looks amazing. You know, like oh, even like as, even like yeah. you know, Azog and stuff look amazing, but especially in Desolation of Smaug, everything is so grey and so dull, and the CGI and the green screen is so so noticeable. Oh my God, Tom! I know where the Russo brothers got their inspiration. Oh my God! Check out our video on the Grey Man. We did a couple oh my God, ago. Grey Man! That that's a whole discussion on the Russo that brothers. Definitely oh, is. Oh, by the way, on a note on the Russo brothers, I, I'm gonna. Do this little tangent, by the way. There's sure. another cameo in the Green Man. It was really? one of the Russo brothers. Yeah, oh, it was. Yes, of course. And Peter Jackson does the same thing. He's in Desolation of Smaug at the beginning. I'm not sure if, you know in Breathe, there's the guy who eats the carrot. Oh. Yeah, so he's in Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. And then he's in Desolation of Smaug. I'm not sure if he's in Unexpected Journey or Battle of the Five Armies, but he's in all the Lord of the Rings movies. So that is great. Another, like, okay. Think about the orcs and the Urukai in Lord of the Rings. They are yeah. incredible. The prosthetics are amazing. They are yes. slimy and disgusting. And, you know, it's so much to hear detail. them grovel. Yes. There's so much detail. And in this, so much of it is CGI. It's so disappointing. Like, Azog, the man just isn't as scary as some of the stuff in Lord of the Rings. Azog's original design, which you can see in Battle of the Five Armies, I think, is so much, so much, so much better. And it's practical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see. Annoying. A disappointment. I feel so much disappointment. I don't know why there's so much CGI. This must be probably the start of, like, the oversaturated CGI. Oh, if you know what I mean. 100%, 100%. This is, like, that era of CGI, definitely. I mean, we've still got it today. With the Green Man... We're not going into depression. We'll go into like more depth about. Oh, yeah. So there was other things that was interesting. You know, like the subplots, but mm. I don't know why that was needed at all. Yeah. But there was this other one. I don't know why this was included. It was the romantic relationship oh. between. Yeah. Killy. I don't know which one it is. Yes, yeah, Killy. Yes, I was right. Ha-ha! Yes. So Killy. And this elf. I yeah, name. Tariel. Tariel. I can't pronounce the names, man. I'm just like, <laughs> Thalia. Okay, so Tariel Killy. It was so bland. Like, what? Wh- why? They were like, oh, look at this stone. I made this stone. My, my granddad made this stone. It was like, oh, look wow, at me that's... stone. 
You can have my stone. stone. It's in Dwarvish. And it was like, oh, I saw this moon. It was like a fire moon. It was like, what? I saw a blue moon. No way. (laughs) No, like, and at the end, and she's like, why does it hurt so much? And it's like, mate, you met him like two days ago. Like, calm down. Like, she's like, if this is love, I do not want it. And it's like, this isn't love, though. That's not like. You just (laughs) fell in love. You just fell in love, like, the first time when you got that stone. He's like, oh, my God, he loves me, and then just dies. He's yeah. like, oh. Literally, uh. like, again, this is a story about a hobbit, you know, burgling a stone. What? Like, what? why? I watched that first scene where they're talking to each other in the jail cell. I think that's a decent enough scene. You can that's, see that's why they You can that's see why there'd scene. be an attraction. You can see, you know, why there's a fascination there. And again, Howard Shaw's music for that love story is so oh. much better than it has any so right to be. Yes. But yes. like, then we just do the Battle of the Five Armies. And in the whole thing, it's just so out of place. And at the end of Desolation of Smaug, this is ridiculous. It's so stupid. Keely, he's hurt his leg and he's he's like really he's like been poisoned uh. and he's dying. And Tariel comes and she's got King's foil and she like helps heal the wound. And you just get this shot where he sees her and this bright light comes behind her. And it's like, what what is, is she an angel? Like, what's going on? Is he passing into the other side? Like, it's just so, so weird. Like, just that they put so much effort into this. And it's annoying because the Middle-earth movies and books just really don't have any female representation. Tariel is one of two prominent female characters in this series. And then she's relegated to just a love interest. She doesn't even really get an arc. Yeah, there's no actual arcs in this. Well, apart from Bilbo. That was a strong thing within Mm. the arc. And there was, like, a clear arc for him. You know, like, he... In the first one, he was trying to get along with everybody in this group and he felt left out and he wanted to go home and he found the ring. And then the ring was kind of like this catalyst for this version of Bilbo. Like he felt courageous, but he felt very conflicted. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he was going through a lot of things and he used the ring a lot of the time. And then the second one, he was very interested about the Lonely Mountain and he explored Smaug, he's explored about the dragon and mm. you know how this whole thing was gonna destroy Thorin and then in about five armies he was just fighting <laughs> well Bilbo gets less to do each film doesn't he like he doesn't you're right he just basically fights it in the third one but Bil- Bilbo's overarching story is of one of finding courage you know Bilbo finds his courage within him he goes on an adventure, he steps out his door, and I think that's a really good book. Most of the good stuff with Bilbo is in Unexpected Journey. Again, that's definitely the best one. Like, I don't think there's much of a doubt about it. That's got to be the best one. However, I do have to say that I love, love in Battle of the Five Armies, the way that Bilbo is the only one who steps up against Thorin and challenges him. And is like, you are not the same man that I met in Bag End. You know, like, you've changed. This sickness is really getting to you. And I think that's a I good way. Yeah, he's, exactly. Through that courage you know he will question Thorin I think that's a pretty good avenue to talk about Thorin himself so yeah Thorin I guess he's really the only dwarf who has any kind of character arc and you know like who they really explore what do you think of him as a character 
he was just not a very interesting character for me. You know what I mean? Like, he was really interesting in Battle of Five Armies. That was the one thing mm. that I really found interesting because he was trying to find the gemstone. He was getting possessed by the treasure and yeah. he wanted to, like, regain control of Erebor and he was selfish. And there was, like, a clear thing that was happening in the beginning of the trilogy. You know, you can see that from him and he had this massive conflict between the elves. Oh, and there was one problem that I had with the elves was that in the backstory of the elves in help the dwarves fight for Erebor. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I missed out something. Well, on that note, you did miss out something because in the theatrical cut, they cut out the scene that explains that. So, what? yeah, right. So, you know how, like, the whole time Thranduil's like, oh, I want these gems. I want these shiny stones. Yes, that necklace thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the necklace. In the beginning of Unexpected Journey, in the extended cut, you see that the elves come to Erebor to kind of like, you know, pay tribute to Thor and the dwarves show them the jewels and Thranduil's like, oh, cool. And then they just close the box and take it back. So Thranduil's like, oh, right, I see. I get it. You're not going to give me my shit. Fine. So it's very much like you feel salty that like it's the same reason why he's fighting at all in the Battle of the Five Armies because he wants what he thinks is his and the dwarves won't give it to him. So he's pissy about that, basically. Oh, I thought it'd be a lot more. No, no, that's it. That That's like his only character trait. He's like, I want my oh. necklace. Oh my God, that sounds so underwhelming. No one's really layered. Everyone has just their one kind of character trait. But in terms of Thorin, I agree with you 100%. I think that he is... He's he's pretty one note in the first two movies. He just wants his gold and he's pretty brooding and gold. dark. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty good in, in in Unexpected Journey, but he's quite boring in Desolation of Smaug. But I agree that he's he's at his best in Battle of the Five Armies. The scene where Dwalin is like, What what are you doing? We're just hiding away here. We gotta fight with our kin. And Thorin's like, well, we got to bury away the gold, you know, like, am I not your king? And Balin says, you know, you were always my king and you understood that once, but now I don't even know who you are anymore. And then Thorin goes on the lake of gold and he, he gets swallowed up by the gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it was a bit weird. I know it was meant to be like this whole inner conflict with the treasure and gemstone, but yeah, it was bizarre. You don't need it, really. You don't need that scene because I think that Dwalin says to him, you were once my king, but now you're not that anymore. That is enough to show Thorin what he's doing. But I do think it's so powerful when, you know, like all the dwarves are sitting by the gates defeated and Thorin comes out of the smoke and Keely comes up to him and is like, we are Durin's folk. We do not just hide behind walls. We need to go out. And Thorin's like, yes, you're right. And I'm sorry. And, I've, and, and I have no right to say this, but... Will you all follow me one last time? And I genuinely think it's so, like, emotional when they knock over the wall with this golden bell. Where do they get the golden bell from? Who knows? And they then made they it. run. Apparently they made it just in that really quick time. But, like, they all run out and the dwarves theme is blaring and the rest of the dwarven army are like, fuck yeah! And then they all, like, run <laughs> and Bilbo's like, oh my god, the dwarves. And Gandalf's like, they're rallying to their king. And I just think it's such a really good way to end Thorin's arc. And it's kind of annoying that they then give him this whole, like, convoluted action sequence with Azog on the ice. When you really don't need it, you know, you just have to have him leading his forces and then die in battle, like in the book. The whole thing with Azog is so, it's just there. Yeah, he was like, 
go that way and then just like trying to track down the dwarves and like no go that way and then <laughs> he gets summoned by necromancer he was like no that's sarwan that guy yeah he will go to the east and then the this whole, whole subplot with gandalf and radagast and everybody was like hey let's let's find out what the necromancer is really like that whole thing was pointless but the one thing that I just kind of start laughing was when saruman why did they have like so similar names? I keep like who is the eye? The eye Sauron. is Sauron. <laughs> and Christopher Lee is Sauron, right? Yeah, uh, no, Christopher Lee is Saruman. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think I know the bit you mean. Are you talking about the bit with, with Sauron? Yes. And yeah. he's like, oh no, he's going over to the east. And it's like, my lord, what are you gonna do? And he was like, I'll deal with him. <laughs> He's like, leave Sauron to me. And it's like, like oh, why do man. we why do we need this weird Lord of the Rings setup? The only way in which the Hobbit should link into Lord of the Rings is through Bilbo finding the ring and Gollum. That is it. This story should be separate. And it's they it's so weird that they like connect it so fervently. They they really could. A lot of these things, I was like, hmm, an elf dwarf love story. Like Orcs that are hunting people on the order of Sauron. Gandalf discovering that the enemy has returned. All these subplots. That's a TV show right there. Like, that could all be a TV show. That could be like that could be really really good. And maybe they'll explore some of that in Rings of Power. I'm I'm sure they will. But I don't know. It just it didn't hit me. I just thought that it was so kind of convoluted. But there's another moment with Sauron at the end of Desolation of Smaug, which is oh, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So Gandalf gets pinned against a wall and then the oh, necromancer yeah. comes. And then we get this really weird trippy sequence where the necromancer becomes an eye. And then like the camera goes through the eye and like in the eye, there's another eye and in the eye, there's another eye. And there's just like a thousand eyes. And it's just like, yeah, we get it. It's Sauron. Well done. It's like, why is it even there? Sauron. Woo! Uh, yeah, I don't know why there was weird cinematography with the eyes. It was like, oh, I'm gonna come from the east, the east. It, like... <laughs> it just kind of because like that sequence is also like right when we're doing the Smaug stuff, and I think the Smaug himself is awesome. Like he is when oh Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah, what a guy! Like if you have you seen the behind the scenes of Benedict Cumberbatch, like on the floor, <laughs> yeah, like so thief. It's like wow, he's so committed, amazing. I, he really he, is. Yeah, and oh my god, yeah. As I said ages ago about like we could have seen more smell yeah. in this, and it was so amazing. Like with the CGI, and it was so terrifying. Mm. And there was one shot that I absolutely love was when Bilbo was behind this pillar and then <gasps> the camera just like zooms out, like slowly yeah. zooms out. And then you see that massive head of smile just like yeah. over to the eye just comes around. Oh, mm. Honestly, so cool. in Desolation of Smile, you got all the spiders. I don't think the spiders are that scary, especially when you compare it to Shelob in Return of the King. But what oh, is scary... Oh, oh that was scary. <laughs> You, what, what, yeah, but what is scary to me is all those coins falling and the giant 
body and head of Smaug just, you know, looming out of out of all this gold. Like that's imagine, imagine how scary that would be. To me, that is that's so scary and cool at the same time. I would be like, yeah. oh, that's so scary. Oh, that's so cool. No, that's so scary. That's so cool. And just like, oh just... damn, this is. I don't know whether I should whether I should run or <laughs> should, should I take my phone damn. out. Or... Should I just run away? <laughs> that, it's like yeah. some similar type of life or death situations, but that CGI and cinematography was so cool in that whole thing with like, it was so scary, like with gold, just like completely yeah. being moved around by smell. Amazing, amazing. Like the, the lighting is a little bit weird and oh my God, the action sequence with Smaug in the mountain, dreadful. What is even going on? Why are they making this golden, ugh, ugh, ugh. Like there's a, this bit where Thorin gets a wheelbarrow and he, he throws it down a river of, of molten gold and then he hops on it and he rides the river of gold. Mate, if if that wheelbarrow, even if it doesn't melt, Thorin's skin is going to be seared off. What is going on? Like this whole sequence where Smaug is distracted by different dwarves, like it really makes him a lot less threatening. Yeah, and then the one thing was I really like from Smaug was like Lake Town was just being absolutely oh yeah yeah so the whole Lake Town was was interesting like the concept yeah. of it like it was mm. really cool but <laughs> the one thing that was really funny the guy he was helping the Lord I don't know yeah. his name Alfred it, yes Alfred I was like oh I forgot a lot about this film and then. When I saw her, I was like, oh, not this guy. Not this guy. It was like bringing he back memories. When I was watching on the films, I was like, oh, no. He, he is the worst character. Yeah, I hate him so like, much. Shia, Shia. Oh, he's so he annoying. What? Like, why is he even up, there? I just don't even know why he's there at all. He's so annoying. Sure. Yeah, the whole thing with him and the master. Like, you don't need that in Lake Town. Just, like, have the master be, like, a very background role. You don't need to, like, flesh it out that much. Like, calm down. And he spends the whole time, like, trying to escape in Battle of the Five Armies. And he's like, oh, I'm not a coward. Not every man's brave enough to wear a corset. And it's like, shut up. Shut up. Please die. Does he die in the theatrical cut? I can't tell. I forgot. <laughs> because I, I, don't, I think that the scene where he dies is... He dies? Yes, he what? dies. And it's in the extended cut. And it's the funniest thing. Okay. Oh, my God. Right. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Gandalf is trying to, like, fight this troll, but he's struggling. And Alfred is hiding in a catapult, right? And one of the pieces of gold that he puts in what he uses his makeshift cleavage, one of the coins falls onto the lever of of, of the catapult right it's so heavy that it pulls the lever and he catapults through the air into the troll's mouth and that's how he dies he drowns in a troll's mouth okay (laughs) i'm not kidding that is genuinely how they do it it's so so stupid and so i'm just thinking about the coin like (laughs) how heavy is the coin like no it's really this whole ridiculous sequence i i will i will send you it i'll find it on youtube and i'll send it you because it's it's stupid but you know going back to lake town i think the best sequence in battle of the five armies is smaug attacking lake town and destroying it yeah that was really really interesting like how it was really like devastating for Mm. people in lake town and bard oh yeah bard yeah I, there's nothing to add. But Bard, Bard is there. Is, He's just a noble guy. I know how to 
use my arrows and like sure and he's like the other version of Legolas. He's like in the town. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, yes, I am bad. Alfred is like, no, we hate you. He's like, shut up, man. And just Yeah, just and Alfred just kind of does a U-turn. He's like, oh, I always knew that he was the best. Ah, oh, the Dragon Slayer. It was like, no, no, please, please don't. Yeah, and then there was it was really cool, the whole sequence, like Bard trying to use his arrows against Ralph. Yes. But then Smog dies. <laughs> oh my God. Smog dies so soon into the third film. It's ridiculous. He dies like 10 minutes in. But I really like that sequence because, you know, the fire really gives it some visual flair. Like Lake Town is very visually boring in, in Desolation of Smog, But in Battle of Five Armies, the fire makes it a lot more interesting. And I love the bell, the way that the bell is tolling while Bard oh, is trying yeah. to shoot these arrows. So cool. And I think that like Bard's kids pretty boring like they, they just go da, 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 da. the whole time and they are so so boring but what i love they're so is they're like dad no please please don't fire it was like yeah I don't care. and just but, just but what, I, what i love is when bane gives him the arrow the black arrow and smaug begins to taunt him and it's this amazing scene where smaug is huge and terrifying and he's like he's like He's like, I'm going to eat you and your son. And, and he's, you know, he's being like so scary and he's slowly prowling towards him. And, you know, Bard has to like use his son, like to help him like with the, with the bow because his bow is broken. And it's just this, Check. like this moment where he's, where he's like, where he's like, son, look at me, look at me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, and, and like the, the music again, the music is incredible. And then, and yeah. then Bard sees the one thing he sees the, the hole in Smaug's armor and it's amazing. And the way that like he shoots him and Smaug, like, you know, he flies up and he writhes in pain and he yells and, like this fire, like being like coming out of his wound, and then he uh, falls. Amazing. Smaug is such a highlight, though. Yeah, and the one thing it was like kind of like interesting, you know, the relationship with the father son, you know, like with Bane and that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, his name's Bane. Do you remember Tracy Beaker Returns? Oh, him. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know Toby. Yeah. It's him. Oh my god, dude. Oh wow. Did not realize. You know, like he was like trying to comfort him, it was like, look at me, look at me. And he was like trying to use the arrow to kill Smaug and he was like, go to the left. And it was so cool. Like the whole mm. shot and everything. But Smaug, it, it, yeah. It, it's funny that like the CGI is kind of disappointing, but the best parts of all of the films are this like okay, so the best part of, of Desolation of Smaug is Smaug. The best part about Battle of Five Armies is Smaug. And I'd say the best part about Unexpected Journey is Gollum. And it's funny that the CGI like is pretty distracting, but the CGI like creatures are like really, really strong. Yeah, there's some some parts of the CGI are strong, like Smaug and, and Unexpected Journey. Like there was one sequence where the dwarves they were climbing this mountain and then the mountain mm. becomes alive and there's just like yes. a whole battle between the, the mountains and yeah, it was with the, with so the stone cool. giants. Yeah. Like the stone giants. I, I do I do think that the series adds action scenes where there really doesn't need to be any, like when they fight the trolls in an unexpected journey. But what I do like is when Basically, if they'd, if they'd been more faithful to, to the book, it probably would have been a lot better and they, they took out all of the stuff they added in. But what I do like is stuff like the Thunder Battle. It's just cool. <laughs> just a cool sequence. Yeah, just, um, they're just like fighting each other. <sighs> yeah, and and the riddles. The riddles are so good, man. Like, Oh, the on. riddles! Yeah, it's just so cool. It's just Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis just acting at each other. And Gollum is like... 
we're going to talk about Gollum next week, but Gollum oh, is such a, a highlight. Yeah, there's such huge, like, and powerful moments, like with like Gollum and Frodo in in Lord of the Rings, and it was like, oh wow, and there's like this massive dynamic between them, and like one that was so possessive with the ring, mm. and then one that is trying to destroy the ring. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about that and yeah, watch them again for next week. It really is so good. But yeah, I don't think I have a lot more to say about The Hobbit, actually. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it had a strong opening, but then yes. it kind of knocked down a bit with that double mm. down with like some of the CGI, some of the storyline, and some of the most pointless mm. subplots that I've seen in, in the trilogy. <laughs> should have been two movies. It should have. I don't know yeah. why it needs to be a trilogy. It could have like done with the Battle of Five Armies in half an hour, I would say. In... Yeah, or just cut it out entirely. The only reason why it's really there is so Thorin can die. Like, at the end of the day, oh, oh, there is, oh, there yeah, is a I, lot that you can take out. The thing is, I didn't feel really emotional when Thorin died. Me That's neither. The... Me neither. That's the thing. Because the first film, I almost cried so many times. The, the first film, when the first uh, film is good, it's as good as Lord of the Rings. But then the end of the, the third one, I just didn't feel anything. Yeah. Okay, so right. let's, <laughs> yes. let's, go th- let's go through each film. Unexpected Journey, what are you giving it out of 10? A 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10, okay. I think 6 or 7. Desolation of Smaug, out of 10. A 5. Yeah, I'm going to go 4 or 5, I think. Probably 4. Battle yeah. of the Five Armies, out of 10. 4. Yeah, I agree, 4. And now what would you say the trilogy, out of 10, as a whole, you would give it? A 6 out of 10. Yeah, I agree. 6, maybe a 5. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like, like... I'm so sad. Just like, listening, like, oh, wow. <laughs> there is a lot to love, but there's also a lot not to love. But don't worry, folks, because next week we are doing the greatest Ooh. trilogy of all time. It's Lord of the Rings. Uh, Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. We listening. can't wait to talk about it. We can't wait to talk about Lord of the oh, Rings. I'm week. so excited. I'm, I'm starting watching them tonight. I'm, I'm really excited. If you enjoyed this video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you want to see more. As I said, we're doing Lord of the Rings next week. We're doing Rings of Power when that's finished. We did Rogue One last week, so check all that out. And if you want to follow us, you can at Twitter and Instagram at Alstein Film Pod. And if you want to give us an email with your questions, tell us your thoughts on The Hobbit. Ask us any questions about anything, really, and we will answer just, it on the podcast. Tom. Just ask Tom about everything about The Hobbit lore. Just like... Yeah, just... Just ask me about like everything, everything Middle Earth, and I'll answer. I haven't read the Silmarillion, so I don't claim to be as smart as some people. Because man, that is a that is a thick ass book. Uh, but yes, you can email us outsimefilmpod@gmail.com. And next week is the final episode in the second year of the podcast, so we're very nearly into year three, which is insane. Yes, that is crazy, insane thing that we've done for two years so yeah i can't wait to talk about lord of rings man it's gonna be so good absolutely absolutely thank you for listening we kind of enjoy talking about the hobbit if you enjoyed it share it or like it subscribe take what you're given give anything back goodbye goodbye